the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. something and started out evidently being kind of more of a it was a all hallows eve yeah it was a kind of a more legitimate sort of a spiritual background to it really but now it's just become you know witches and goblins and pumpkins i think it's become costumes and candy candy. yeah that's right too but it's also reformation day and pumpkins yes and jack-o'-lanterns but it's also reformation day the day that martin luther hammered that great irishman jack o'lantern jack Jack o'lantern yes uh, irish fellow (laughs) anyway welcome aboard everyone thank you for being here with us this evening here on the bible live broadcast stacy's here uh, seated at my side, and we are ready to look at some uh, more of the minor prophets. That's where we are. We're winding up our reading of both the Old Testaments and the New Testaments. We are closing them out. We're right, reading the little books at the end of both. In the Old Testament, they're called the, what we call the minor prophets. Uh, we've already covered Hosea. Um, whose name means salvation. Uh, He wrote to the northern tribe. We're trying to kind of give an idea of these different prophets. Now, I would really encourage you, if if 
uh, if you'd like to do this, go to uh, the website, thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com, or just simply biblelive.com. Both of those will take you to our website. And if you want to, you can go back under our podcast and you can listen to those books again or any of the books of, of the Bible. In fact, you can go back and some of the commentary is very rich and very good, I think. Um, so I want to encourage you to do that if you'd like, particularly about these minor prophets, some of the historical uh, information that's given and the setting of when they wrote and so on. But if you remember, Hosea was the one who was uh, directed by God to marry uh, Gomer, uh, a woman uh, of ill repute, and as we would say. And... Um, that it's it's a picture of God's redemptive plan that he redeems us and purchases us redeems me buying us out of sin and darkness uh paying the price uh, of the penalty of our uh sin and wickedness so that we can be forgiven and cleansed and brought into the family of God so Hosea is a picture of that his very name means salvation so we we went through that uh we then read Joel. Uh, remember, he's the one whose book starts out with a reference to locusts mm-hmm. uh, th- that are uh, devastating, destroying the land. And uh, he talks about a day of judgment, uh, God's judgment day. There is there is a day of judgment with a, a little d. Uh, God is going to judge Israel, but there is also a capital D of judgment, God's ultimate judgment of all humanity, of of, of, of all people, mm-hmm. uh, his final judgment over uh, over the world. And so um, <clears throat> this is the one that, that Peter quotes in the book of Acts on the day, uh, the day of Pentecost, when they preached to the people. Peter says that this, that was the coming of the Holy Spirit was a fulfillment of a pr- prediction that Joel made uh, of uh, the Holy Spirit being given. I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And so uh, there we go. And uh, Joel, let me see, Hosea, Joel. Then comes Amos, one of my favorites, I guess. Same here. Uh, the, the farmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I've told you, I kind of like him because he's a farmer. A farmer, <laughs> you know, and he, and, he, and he talks with that yes. plain speech of a, of a rural, of a, you know, a farmer, rancher, someone yes. who, uh, he, he, what is he? He's a shepherd and tender of trees. Um, and Amos, uh, I can't, uh, I'm trying to think back, Stacy. what was Amos, uh, about Mighty flood uh, of justice, very ju- social, kind of minded, um, has the, uh, well, I, I just think often of that Martin Luther, that the mighty flood of justice rolling down. Um, he, 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 uh, preaches or he, he tells it, uh, at Bethel, Bethel, the tell there. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a- he he was from Judah, I believe, but he preached directly to uh, Israel, the ten northern tribes as well. Um, 
Amos. Remember he talked about <laughs> he was one who calls the, the women of the <laughs> Israel fat cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, only only a farmer can get away with that, I guess, or rancher. <laughs> right. Maybe it was a compliment. Straight, him, you know? uh, maybe in his mind it was. <laughs> hey, I, yeah, I don't I mean, think so. <laughs> I don't think so. But anyway, there's uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos. And then we went to Obadiah, who preached primarily to the people of Edom. And it, and we don't know as much about these minor prophets. We don't. Sometimes we don't know much about exactly when they exercise their ministry, and they're not mentioned perhaps in any other book of the Bible. So, but Obadiah preached to to what about Esau, Edom, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he preached to them, and it, some think that he was himself uh, an Edomite. Uh, some thought, I think, from Jewish mm-hmm. tradition at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but we remember we reviewed who Edom was. They are descendants of Esau, mm-hmm. Jacob's uh, twin brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, Obadiah was writing to them and, and telling them about God's judgment on them for for their treatment of God's people, the, the, if we're, right. it wasn't just God's people, but but they were they were kin. There was a kinship, right, and right. yet from the very beginning, uh, the people of Edom uh, they refused uh, Moses and the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. They refused them passage. They they, so they rejoiced. They celebrated. Yeah, mm-hmm. when uh, uh, Israel was uh, yeah defeated, when they had defeats and. Yeah, and Just, particularly the destruction, even right, by, yes. and and uh, as it turns out, Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Babylon also destroyed, uh, destroyed them, Edom. And yeah, they, they did, though, later become the Edomia uh, of which yes. um, Herod the Great. That, uh, Herod they the Great, as, as, a, mm-hmm. as a descendant of mm-hmm. Edom as well of Esau, um, the, and, and I think we mentioned that the temple. That that for for Edom in the south was that uh, I think we mentioned the fact that it was you could see that at the actual temple uh, I forget what it's called there's another name for it now but you can see that if you watch the movie uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the final um, the last crusade the last crusade I believe because uh, that oh. was that was filmed Petra 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 yeah that was filmed oh. that was you. At the side of Petra. Oh wow! Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I think we mentioned that, but it, it's it's an interesting historical, I yeah. guess, sort of a reference. And then we went to Jonah, which is finally uh, one of the more well-known uh, prophets of the minor prophets. And Jonah is one whose book is unique because it doesn't focus on his message. He only had one sermon. <laughs> in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Seven-word sermon, uh, I guess in English, uh, our translation at least. So uh, that's it. that's his sermon. That's the only message that's delivered. But uh, it focuses on the story, his story of how he uh, ran from God. He tried to avoid this calling of God on his life, um, essentially because he didn't want Nineveh to repent. He didn't want God to forgive them. Uh, he he felt and knew that they were um, they were going to um, continually 
fight against Israel. They were constantly going to be a thorn in their side and ultimately be a part of destroying Israel in the north. So Jonah didn't want to preach to them, uh, and he got mad at God when God did hear one of these great revivals, one of the eight great revivals that are mentioned in, in Scripture, um, and he gets mad at God about it. And, and so we know we're more familiar with the story of Jonah. Uh, God did spare Nineveh for a hundred years. The the destruction that Jonah p- predicted here was put off. But then uh, w- one of the prophets we'll discuss tonight, uh, fifty years later. Mm-hmm. Is the one who told them, you know, you're, you're, right. you're you going really to get are. Yeah. Jonah's prophecy <laughs> is going to come said. true. You're going right. to be, uh, you're going to be destroyed as well. So that would be uh, Nahum. We'll get to him later this evening. So uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and then we come to Micah. We didn't comment much on Micah last week. Uh, we just took up the five that we had covered. It's hard covering these multiple books uh, a little bit because uh, we don't get to treat each of them in depth. Now, I really want to encourage you folks. I I went back and listened to the readings even this week from those uh, prophets, and the commentary is awfully helpful, very, very helpful on all of these books, these minor prophets. So if you haven't listened to them and heard them, then uh, they could be very helpful to you. But let's pick up on Micah tonight, Stacy. We're going to cover Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and uh, we don't get into Malachi, but we come down to the final readings from the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, these uh, Micah, let me see, Joel, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah, and then Malachi is after that. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi are the three prophets that are considered to be post-exilic. They came after uh, the people had returned to Jerusalem, after Cyrus the Great released them and allowed them to return uh, Artaxerxes with Nehemiah and so on and others. <laughs> they came back to rebuild the walls of uh, Jerusalem and the walls around Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple, uh, which was finished in about 515 is the date that is usually cited that was the finishing of the altar at, at the temple. So, uh, and that comes right out of these books of prophecy. So let's pick well, up then. Yeah, and real go quick, ahead, before we go into those, I want to, I always like to remind that we did read from Psalm, yeah. the wisdom and worship um, section of the readings. And it was Psalm 135 through 139, verse 16 this past week. And, and 139 is everybody's favorite, I suppose. I, I know it's one of mine. Yeah. Uh, oh, Lord, you know me when I lie down in my my mm-hmm. rising up and you go before me and behind me. And oh. uh, where will I go? If I where go to the depths, I, you are oh, there. If yes. I rise to the heavens, Dad, you are you, there. Yeah. Yes, he sings that song. There's a song, and he yeah. sings it so it's beautifully. It's one of the best versions of Psalm 139 mm-hmm. I've ever heard. But it's, it it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful psalm. And yet those beautiful words, I, I know I'm distracting us from yeah. what you were going to say, but <laughs> it starts out with this, this wonderful, beautiful, uh, and, and very mm, touching, very touching um reference to God's love and mm-hmm. he he knows all about us and right. loves us anyway and he and so on and then after and then it comes to the 
and then he changes uh, changes uh, very quickly. He changes to a different theme. He says, um, "Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked." There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when he, I wake he, up, you are still with me. Oh God, if you would only destroy the wicked, get out of my life, you murderers! They blasphemy you. Your enemies misuse your name. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's a sudden 19, turn. Turns, uh, very uh-huh. quickly, he turns to. Uh, talking about God's holiness. And, you know, a lot of the prophets in a lot of the Old Testament, there is a great deal of it is concerned with, and some of the prophets we're going to talk about tonight, they are focusing on this this seeming contradiction that exists within the nature of God, mm-hmm. that he's loving and kind and merciful and patient and forgiving mm-hmm. and loving and gentle and mm-hmm. with his people and so on. And then, on the other hand, that he's holy and righteous and like a consuming fire, mm-hmm. that he, he, he hates sin and wickedness right. and for what it does to us and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and an insult to his own character and rejection of him. So you've got these two characteristics of our God. That seem to be at odds. Right? That seem to be at odds. Okay, mm-hmm. the, he's just and holy and righteous, and his judgment is certain. He either has to compromise his holiness right. uh, in order to express his love to us, or he or has to compromise his love in limits, order to uh, limits on his love because mm-hmm. of his holiness that demands uh, justice. Justice, mm-hmm. and of course that. That is all the, the the great reconciliation of those two right. uh, attributes of God is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. That he is a perfect expression of God's love, uh, mm-hmm. agape love without conditions, uh, loving, to, but at the same time, his wrath, his mm-hmm. judgment was indeed satisfied mm-hmm. and poured out mm-hmm. on on uh, the perfect man of faith mm-hmm. on on Jesus the Messiah. He who knew no sin, who became sin for us, and so that it all, it, all of that is a prediction of, mm-hmm. and a, a clarification, a, a declaring of the redemptive plan of God is going to be the reconciliation of those two attributes oh, that are so, uh, mm-hmm. they so deeply and both totally true in the nature of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the Psalms. What else yeah. were you going to say, well, honey, about those? I was just going to say Psalm 136, um, and maybe we can put this out there as a phrase because uh-huh. it would be, or as a question. Oh, yeah, that's a very interesting yes, psalm. It is a very interesting psalm, and I think it's appropriate because, I mean, we're going through one, two, three, four, five, six books this evening (laughs) Uh and uh, all of them kind of you know that time period well that covers a lot I mean Mm -hmm. and it covers nations and comings and goings and um, some even visions a lot of chaos a lot of of turmoil a lot of war and rising mm -hmm. of empires Mm -hmm. and falling of empires exactly Mm -hmm. and very similar and it's still happening today very similar context to even today all sorts of um, politics and elections and wars. The Middle and East and China and, and Russia yes, and Ukraine. Exactly. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And through it all, just that steadfast, sweet reminder that we get in Psalm 36. And it is oh, a wait phrase. Oh, wait a minute. Psalm 136. Yeah, yes. wait a minute. Do you, we want, you want to make that I'm a question? I'm going to make it a question. Is that oh, okay? Oh, good for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a phrase that's repeated in all 26 verses the of same Psalm phrase. 136. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The same phrase. I think David must. Is this a, Dave, is this a David psalm? 
someone oh, uh, that you know, I don't know. Let's, 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 oh, well, let's see a, if we can find out. But um, uh, yeah, it, so, the same phrase is used mm-hmm. in every verse. And I'll, uh, it's I'll, so I'll, funny uh, to listen to that. I'll hum it. I think there's a. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's your your hint. It's a music hint. So, so your question is going to be what, what is phrase? phrase? What is the phrase? Yeah. In Psalm 136, you'll see it pretty quickly if you, you might already know it. It seems to do, me like David was definitely trying, or whoever it was, was definitely <laughs> trying to make a point there. Uh, the, there's no mm-hmm. mistaking mm-hmm. what his you know, core message <laughs> yeah, was here. Exactly. Uh, 26 times, uh, mm-hmm. all 26 verses. And so if um, you know, or if you want to look it up and, and uh, know, they have the number is 210 2103409585. Yes, and we have we have uh, some wonderful gifts and prizes for those who call in and part of the program with us. We have uh, the set of books called God Understands, which uh, is uh, the seven different booklets, smaller booklets, but that they all uh, talk about the scriptures and how they uh, speak to different situations of our lives. Uh, When we feel life is meaningless without purpose, uh, when we feel angry, life is unfair, we uh, we fear death, we're overwhelmed with guilt. There's different times that almost all of us at some time have some of these feelings, some of these experiences when we feel sadness and grief. Especially coming into the the holiday season. True. And uh, it can be a hard time for some. It it really can be. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have this set of booklets called God Understands, and we're going to give you all seven of those booklets. And it would be great for you, yourself, and maybe for your the ministry that you can exercise as you comfort members of your family, others that experience uh, some of these same problems or difficulties and challenges, you could use God's word. It has it has how God words God's word. Uh, different passages of scripture speak to each one of these different. Uh, life situations, mm-hmm. bringing comfort and hope from the scriptures. That's that's. Uh, I, I'm really I like the, the the book and I'm enjoying giving it out to many of our listeners who who call in part of the program. If you can answer the question about what is that message, what is that um, saying? I guess it would be the right word. What that is repeated 26 times in Psalm 136. If you can tell us what that saying is, uh, give us a call, 210-340-9585. That's a good idea, Stace, to make that uh, our first question tonight. And uh, we're going to figure out another question somewhere, maybe a little, little more difficult uh, for someone, a little more serious scholarly type question about either the message or the timing or something. We'll figure it out, and we're going to offer up tonight uh, the Warfighter Study Bible uh, as a gift for someone. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get a special question for you about th- that one. But we're also giving out this set of books called God Understands. And give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585. Now, let's go back. Go back. Yeah, it is good. Anything else you want to add about the Psalms? You're right. We... We don't comment often on the Psalms because we usually are so busy trying to cover um, the content of the different books that we're going through. That um, and I and I, I lack. If if folks go to the website, every one of our, our 
programs begins with what is called uh, the Wisdom and Worship segment. It's a two to three, four minute segment where we read through the Psalms and the Proverbs. Mm-hmm. And then we get into our more, our longer, more narrative read from uh, from the other yeah. books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But we always begin with that uh, Psalms and Proverbs, Wisdom and Worship, and it just calling us and preparing our hearts to hear God's word and to worship our God and so on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not like the Psalms and Proverbs don't have theological content. They certainly do. Uh, but they do their poetic. They are they call out to right. the emotions, the feelings in, involved in knowing God and walking with God and mm-hmm. the questions and sometimes even the difficulties we face uh, that are that are in the Psalms and the Proverbs. So uh, you'll find those that reading there at our website as well. We read through the Psalms and the Proverbs in the course of, of every year as well. Well, we are ready to, I guess, are we ready to maybe take a look <laughs> mm-hmm. at Micah? Mm-hmm. Um, we read the first part of it last week. Um, my my favorite. Uh huh. Yeah, that's. It's got my one of my favorite verses. I don't know why exactly. It just is so sweet. But it, it touches you, doesn't it? <laughs> it really I, I've, does. I've noticed you know, that over you know the years. Why actually? If if this is kind of silly, and uh, but if there are any Adventures in Odyssey listeners out there, uh-huh. it's because there's a uh, episode called, let's see, uh, The Star, I believe, or it's, um, and, 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 it, and it's referenced in that episode. And Eugene Meltzner, who was played by Will Ryan, who recently passed away, mm-hmm. which is really sad. But um, he gives the, he, he remembers that they're to go to Bethlehem um, because that, and he references the Micah 5-2. A verse with the prophecy uh, that you come from um, Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. But you, Bethlehem Eph- Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And it's one of the first, that was actually NIV. Um, of course, ours is New Living Translation. But um, yeah, one of the famous prophecies about where the Messiah would be born, where he would come from, what his birthplace would be. Right. And and following that verse, there is a, a significant, uh, we'll talk about when we come back from our break, um, there, there's something significant. I remember reading about in, in the verses that follow that, when the Assyrians invade our land and break through our defenses, we will appoint seven rulers to watch over us, eight princes to lead us, and so on. Um, it, it follows up that wonderful statement about the Messiah will be coming, will be born in Jerusalem, uh, I, I mean in Bethlehem. And then um, I, I remember there's some commentary about the, the verses immediately after mm-hmm. chapter 5, verse 2. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll take a look at that when we get back as well. But Micah is... Um, he preached, let me see, during the time, he, he was the c- contemporary of Isaiah? Um, let's see, I believe. He's from the town of Morishia. But little else is known of his background. Like Amos, he was from a rural background, mm-hmm. written to Judah, date of writing, um, Somewhere between, we know, uh, between, hmm, spanned about 50 years because of the third, these kings, Hezekiah, 
uh, brought about significant ruins. His ministry may have ended early in Hezekiah's reign. So that's Michael. We'll take a look a little bit more at the specifics of his book and then go on to um, Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah. Mm -hmm. We'll keep moving forward. Don't go away, folks. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. I always okay. forget Carmen. to pop this up. Who remembers Carmen? Carmen <laughs> was the question I was going to ask. I got so enthralled by hearing his voice again. I know. He was really a great songwriter um, and, and, and humorous and everything about him. It was, he, he reminds me of the fellow uh, in the secular world that, remember, he did these takeoffs on all of these other. Ray Stevens? No, the, well, Ray Stevens Weird as well. The, the crazy one that he. Weird Al yeah, Yankovic, yeah. <laughs> he kind of reminded me of him. The creativity and the sense of humor. Uh, Carmen was a great brother in Christ. I remember meeting him when he came to San Antonio in yes, concert. in the 90s at SeaWorld. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to be out. I got to be out and work with him in an out, outreach project. Uh, we did uh, out at SeaWorld yeah. with mm-hmm. him, and, yeah. and that was just really uh, a rare opportunity. What a, what a creative and yeah. just love Jesus with all his heart and just a good humor, just a really one, a, a striking individual. Now he, the champion, remember the yeah. champion. Oh yeah. The I champion. So many others. Uh, he went on and now he's gone to be with the Lord now, right? Yeah. Uh, February 2021. Okay. 65 so, years old. 65. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Little young, 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 but I think he had some medical problems or something that. Um, it was from I think a medical complication from surgery that. that uh, yeah, some surgery. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of that, we also have uh, received the news that D- uh, Steve Douglas, who uh, became the president of Campus Crusade for Christ when Bill Bright passed uh, in the first decade of it, uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Douglas, uh, who was the vice president at the time, became the president of Campus Crusade and has been the director of our ministry. He's called Crew now, more popularly, I guess. But Steve Douglas uh, went on to glory um, a couple of days ago as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it, um, 
it's that time, I guess. People people come and go. I mean, you know, every everyone does. Uh, uh, one of my coworkers, one of our volunteers out at Lackland, and I were talking about that today. That one out of every one <laughs> dies. It's one of the. Uh, except there's one in history that died, but he came back, and that gives us hope, right? The Savior Himself came. <laughs> Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, mm-hmm. and so that's. Uh, there's our hope and our our assurance that we go on to be with him. We move from this world, from this setting, this mm-hmm. environment that we have learned to live in, uh, and we move from this environment to a spiritual dimension, a, another environment entirely. The older I get, the more entirely. I try to imagine well, it. Right, right. But yet, and yet not in, in time. I mean, there will be, it is a new heaven and a new earth. So there will be, uh, or, exactly or there right. is, or there, it, it is, it is earth, just a new earth. <laughs> yeah, a new heaven, a new earth. Yeah. It, so what be. I mean by that, though, is, uh, for for example, to be absent from the body is to be sure. present with right, the Lord. Right. And uh, the, as I've grown older and older, I, I've gone, what's that going to be like when you make mm-hmm. that jump from from here mm-hmm. to there? When you, all of a sudden you're in a, a spiritual realm. Uh, you, mm-hmm. Gone to be with the Lord. We, in some way, shape, or form, he said, you know, we're going to see the Lord. Mm-hmm. But have you ever thought what that means? When we say we're going to see, now we talk about our eyesight. We light enters into our eye and it mm-hmm. hits the retina and it sends a I little signal to our brain. And we interpret the light as different objects. In other words, we, mm-hmm. but in the spiritual dimension now, it, we're going to see, but we won't have eyes like we have now. It'll well, be different. Maybe. We'll hear, we don't but know. yeah, we don't know. That's the, that's <laughs> the whole point. It's going to be a a, 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 a a spiritual realm that we're now. We sometimes forget that we are spiritual beings mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. We that's we're it. not our bodies, and right. you know we're we're not our memories. We're not. Right. We are spiritual beings, and and um, it's 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 worth thinking about and pondering. I. Well, I'm sorry, I taught on that a little bit this morning yeah. in, in my uh, Lackland Yeah, well, and especially class. as we do enter into the uh, the unveiling, the apocalyptic literature of Revelation that we're coming up on. Um, right. Because, you know, we say we don't know and we're not sure. Well, I can only imagine all of it. We don't know that. And so much of the Revelation is a unveiling. Okay, well... Of of making known what is unknown, and so that'll be really fun. And so stay with us, read with us next yeah, week. Yeah, um, that's right. We start the, the book of Revelation mm-hmm. on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll talk about that next <clears throat> week. So yeah, and we'll be re- um, covering that and reviewing it on next Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is, that will be the final reading for this twenty first journey we've made. This is the twenty first time we've read through the entire Bible <clears throat> in a year. Thank you, honey. I appreciate you. <laughs> my bottle of water. But we're, um, we, we, yeah, we'll be reading the final book of the Bible. And then, of course, the following week, we just start on year number 22. We start our 22nd journey through the scriptures with uh, Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we'll, we'll start going through the scriptures again. So you can make that journey with us. Anytime you start listening to the Bible live with us, as you 
on the website as you go to that and listen each day. Uh, anytime you begin, a year later, you'll come back to that same point. You will have made your way all through the Bible. So uh, that is that is a very good thing to mention. Sure, and it's so important. I mean, just be, oh, we're in Micah right now, so we'll quickly kind of cover Micah mm-hmm. and then Nahum Habakkuk. But uh, one of the things that you had mentioned about Micah, of course, it has that prophecy about Bethlehem, mm-hmm. but it also talks to... Um, in large part, uh, the consequences of listening to false prophets and to, um, and, and the importance of staying in scripture because it is all around us. I mean, there, I asked you, well, who would you say are some of the false prophets? And you say, you know, in our time, we hesitate to have really say too much because we want to be kind and considerate of other, but. Uh, but there are there are yeah. um, false uh, teachings. There are, are some, re- and they're really dangerous. They are consequential, and it's not a healthy thing to. I mean, throughout Scripture, we're warned over and over to not fall mm-hmm. to those. Um, in the end, they end up becoming just a reflection of what our own idol idols are. And so, not only are they. Others, um, but they're also just dangerous. Ultimately, they will destroy. They will end up um, becoming something of destruction, which is what Micah warns about. Um, yeah, he does. Uh, there in chapter in chapter uh, six, I believe, is where I was noticing that he, he specifically mm-hmm. warns about false teachers and preachers uh, to them. And of course, it's one of the more common. It's one of the common things. Uh, Old and New Testaments over and again, uh, Jesus himself talked about it. We're going to talk about tonight the, uh, in the book of Zechariah. Jesus talks about the the uh, pr- uh, the shepherds that were mm-hmm. th- that were wrong in, in contrast to the good shepherd, right, the one who right. gives his life for his people. Yeah. So it's a constant reminder and a constant uh, cause for us to know the scriptures. I remember Satan. Uh, this spiritual being, mm-hmm. uh, one of our three enemies that are listed in the scriptures, the world, the flesh, and the devil, uh, Satan himself, his greatest tactic, his great weapon is deceit, mm. lying. And he's a lies. very gifted liar, mm-hmm. a very gifted manipulator. He can come just a hair's breadth away from the truth, but it'll mm-hmm. just be off enough to Rob us of our joy, rob us of our contentment, our confidence in the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, and and steal our influence, mm-hmm. the influence we might have as believers uh, with others. So uh, this this mandate, this warning about false preachers and teachers, we certainly need to continually have that in our minds. <clears throat> I think in the book of Revelation, it even talks about it in these last times, there will be a lot of, <clears throat> I don't know if it's Revelation or another book, but it talks about there will be a number of false teachers and preachers that even the elect would be deceived. Mm. And so we have to be careful and be in the book. Let God's word be, uh, let the spirit guide us into all truth uh, using his word as well as part of his ministry in our own lives. So now we move from Micah. Let's go to Nahum. Mm -hmm. Nahum, a very uh, interesting fellow. Um, He is a (laughs) follow-up. He's the cleanup hitter since we're <laughs> in right. the time of the World Series. Uh, uh, he's the cleanup hitter for, for Jonah. Uh-huh. Jonah preached against Nineveh and warned them that God was in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. And they repented. 
one of the great revivals of history <clears throat> from the greatest down to the least. And uh, and so and Jonah, got, as I mentioned earlier, got mad with God about it. But Nahum now comes only about 40 to 50 years out, and he announces that Assyria is going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time there's no... They, by this time, a new generation had come along and replaced. And it shows us how quickly... Yes. I mean, you could have a generation uh, that revives and, and mm-hmm. trusts God and, uh, and repents of their sin and turns to God. Uh, but by the time Nahum comes along... Uh, they've returned to their very wicked, corrupt, perverse practices. Their idolatry is mentioned specifically in Nahum. And he preaches about Assyria's judgment and destruction, which was brought about. Um, maybe that could be another question that we could ask. Uh, what nations or nation or nations did God use to destroy Nineveh? Now, Okay. Nineveh was a great, great city. It had a walled city around it that was wide enough for three chariots to wow. go side by side around it. Uh, Nineveh was powerful. The, yeah, they were the very cruel. Yeah, yeah. And and, yeah. and yet they were destroyed and it was never rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, of course, predicted as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interestingly, it seems to me that I remember that Saddam Hussein. It, one time had the project of trying to rebuild Nineveh. Oh, interesting. And it was, of course, the Caedus <laughs> was placed on it. It didn't It didn't happen. But, yeah, this great city destroyed. It was not until 18, I don't think, uh, Nineveh was not even, it disappeared from, it, from all existence for so many years. And then I think it was 1845 or 65 when it was uh, rediscovered. Okay. By archaeologists, so it it really was wiped out completely, and uh, I, I think it was forty five or sixty five, one of the in the eighteen hundreds. But um, probably forty five because in eighteen sixty five we were the Civil War was on, right. so maybe mm-hmm. I'm guessing maybe it was forty five. Um, but Nahum is talks to and predicts and preaches to the people of uh, Assyria in the north. And uh, Assyria, Nineveh was up uh, at what is called the Fertile Crescent. Uh, remember, you have uh, Israel is on the eastern end of the Mediterranean, and, and of course it's bordered on its east side by the Jordan River, which goes over across the Jordan River. You run into the De- Arabian Desert. And so people, in order to travel, they had to avoid the desert. They had to go up over the top. Uh, the Euphrates River, the Tigris River, and so on. They had to, what is called the Fertile Crescent over the top of the uh, Ar- Arabian Desert and then come down. It's like it's the journey that Abraham took when he came over, when God called him to come over and brought him to, to the land of Israel or Canaan at that time. So uh, that's, that's the geography we're looking at. And Nineveh sat atop the Fertile Crescent. Uh, it was a great, powerful city. But it was destroyed, and uh, my question to you folks would be, what nation or nations did God use to destroy Nineveh? Nineveh destroyed Damascus uh, and took over the, you know, the kind of became the premier empire of the world of their time. And then they, too, were destroyed by what empire 
by what nation was Nineveh destroyed? Uh, you can give us a call, 210-340-9585 is our phone number. So that's two questions we have out for you. One has to do with Psalm 136. What is the message, the primary message of Psalm 136? It is a phrase repeated in all 26 verses of that psalm. What is that phrase that's repeated over and over again in Psalm 136? And then we want to ask you, what nation or nations did God use to later on Nahum uh, on the uh, judgment of God on the city of Nineveh uh, and the, I guess, the empire, the Assyrian empire at that time? All right, give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585. We have some good prizes for you. Uh, that hopefully it would be an encouragement to you in the scriptures as well if you want to be a part of the program with us. Uh, shall we move on to Habakkuk? Yes. We we have six yes. books to cover, so we better move <laughs> quickly. Habakkuk now is an interesting book because it's my understanding that Habakkuk was not Jewish, at least in Jewish tradition. Uh, I believe that in, uh, if I if I'm remembering correctly, they might have been the descendant, actually. Um, hmm. He was somehow related, I think, to the Phoenician woman that Isaiah uh, raised. Her son. Or- yeah. Uh, I, it might have been her son. I, I, I'm i so sorry if I forget that point. But Habakkuk, again, with all these minor prophets, there's some, there's some, <laughs> well, a lot we don't know about them. We're not absolutely sure in each case of everyone's the date of their writing and so on. But he does have a very interesting book in that Habakkuk puts, he, he puts God on trial in some way. He, similar to Job. He asked, yeah, similar. And he asked God questions that you know, I think even today people still ask God, mm-hmm. you know, God, when are you going to clean up all this wickedness and all mm-hmm. this evil? The, the first verse of the, of the book of Habakkuk is, How long, O Lord, how long are you going to put up with this sin and evil? How long will you allow uh, wickedness to, mm-hmm. to uh, dominate? And violence is everywhere. Uh, must I forever set these, see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I'd see destruction and violence wickedness, corruption, so on. So, so Habakkuk asked God questions, mm-hmm. questions, and, and which is a good message for us. Sometimes people say, oh, no, you can't question. Don't even ask. You can't ask the, these things of God. Don't question him. You just got to believe it. Just doesn't mind questions. If our hearts are right, mm-hmm. we, we desire truly an answer, and we're willing to act and, and obey and understand the, the answer. We truly want to know the answer. We're not just shouting at God and, and and so on. But if and so that's Habakkuk. He is asking God, and God answers his questions as well <coughs> in the book of Habakkuk. So he asks uh, three questions. One has to do with you know how long God's time, and then the other was just the idea that that. Uh, um, not just when, but why don't you judge? Why do the wicked prosper and in, in the, in the even good people are, are suffering and so on? So we ask God that. And then thirdly, what has to do with the timing of that? And, and then uh, the third question he asked is, let me see. What, 
<laughs> I'm getting, I tell you, my, so I, I had these all lined up in my mind. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the, the three questions, the timing. Oh, and why would he use a, a, a nation more wicked even than them, than Israel? Why would he use an even more wicked nation to judge them? Right. Like Assyria, maybe, or Babylon, or yeah. you know, so on. Why would you use someone even more wicked than us to judge us? Mm-hmm. And those are three questions. That, they're good questions. They're interesting, and they tell us. Uh, and and God answers in uh, chapter three. We the chapter two. The Lord's reply to three. It's kind of like Job's prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. The final message from God to Job. He 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 comes to understand it, and he says, "I have heard all about you, Lord." I am filled with awe by your amazing works. And he and he describes the redemptive plan of God is the ultimate solution mm-hmm. to this th- God's dealing with wickedness. Mm-hmm. In this world, wickedness, we live in a world that's going to be good and evil coexist. Uh, it's ruled uh, only by morally neutral natural laws. And, you know, a bullet doesn't turn into a marshmallow just because it's going toward a Christian or an innocent person. Uh, we live, we you know, good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. That's the, that's norm, I and mean, that's by design. God has created us in this setting where we make our decision about Him, about knowing Him, about receiving Christ, about trusting God, becoming part of the people of God. Uh, the the ultimate dealing with evil and wickedness will be uh, in God's ultimate judgment. That this day of judgment with the capital D that we've been hearing about. God will indeed judge and bring about uh, a, a new heaven, a new earth, and, and the redemptive plan of God will come to fruition. And uh, what is called in the Bible is called glorification. Mm-hmm. When, when finally God, the total work of the redemptive plan of God is carried out and thorough and finished, and we are d- delivered from not only the penalty of sin, justification, and not only the power of sin, sanctification, but in glorification will be delivered from the very presence mm-hmm. of sin and in, in the kingdom of God. So uh, that's Habakkuk asked questions about that, and that's the answer that God gives him in chapter 3, uh, chapter uh, chapter 2. And then you see Habakkuk's responsive prayer to what God has revealed him about it. So it's, it's a great, great book, a very helpful and informative book for us as well. Mm-hmm. Let's go on. Let's move. We're, we're, we're making progress. We're moving <laughs> through the uh, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, now Zephaniah. Um, Zephaniah was somewhere during the time of the young child king, Josiah. Josiah was uh, killed in uh, 605 when he joined the battle against uh, Babylon. Egyptian, um, I've forgotten his name. but in the Neko, it, Neko. Neko, yeah, mm-hmm. and the Battle of Carchemish. Mm-hmm. It's a very famous, well-known battle in history. Josiah went over to try to help him, and he's killed in, in that battle. Uh, Zephaniah, it is thought, pre- uh, preached and prophesied during the reign of Josiah, which, which would have been interesting because remember Josiah carried out uh, some great reforms. He was a, a he too was ruler over in a time of great revival. Mm-hmm. One of the eight great revivals he that mentioned. Back the the law, the Torah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he re, he read the scriptures to the people, and then it brought a spirit of repentance. And and yeah, it was it was a, a great moment in time. So it is thought that uh, Zephaniah lived and had his ministry in those days. Um, 
<laughs> Zephaniah, the book that kind of comes to your mind, Stacy, is kind of a general theme of it. Oh, well, uh, it just is interesting. You mentioning the uh, Assyrian and Nineveh and the 18... Let's see, 1842, I believe, uh-huh. was, ended up being the date. Is it's that just, the date? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Is, um, you know, you can... I, I mean, I just think it's fascinating. You can look up these archaeolo- the archaeology and look up about Assyria and, and these uh, palaces and what was lost. And anyway, it just helps kind of place the uh, yeah. place. Zephaniah was a real person, and these places existed. And, <laughs> and he preached this message, and, he, and these things happened, and, and these predictions and prophecies did come true. In the middle of about. quite a bit of um, splendor, too. I mean, these cities, we think of them somewhat, maybe just because they're old, we think of them as um, bar- barbaric or yeah, any uh, kind of, but these are beautiful cities and Babylon was one of the great wonders of the uh, ancient world, Mm -hmm. in fact, the Hanging Gardens Mm -hmm. uh, of Babylon. Well, there we are. That's our second. We've made it. We've talked about Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. You can go to thebiblelive.com and hear these books uh, as we've read them there. We invite you to do that. But we'll come back in a moment and we'll talk. We'll go to talking about the post-exilic prophets, those prophets that Israel. The Bible Live will be right back. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. choice that one i like that choice mm-hmm. because it uh, we can easily segue to we're beginning to read the book of uh, the revelation the last book of the bible this coming week on tuesday we finish up the book of uh, malachi on uh is it zechariah and malachi or did we finish zechariah zechariah is a fairly long book actually it turns out as it turns out um we finish zechariah and in uh, Mal- do malachi on monday night yeah the entire book of Malachi, and then we on Tuesday, well, I say Monday night. That was the way it was originally uh, presented, but our reading for Monday finishes uh, Zechariah Malachi, and then on Tuesday, the reading set for that day. If you go to the website on the front page, you're right there. You just scroll down a little bit and you click on it, and we'll start the book of Revelation. 
Uh, I believe it's chapters one through five, maybe on Tuesday evening. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And we always read the book of Revelation somewhere around Halloween, and we kind of thought, well, uh, it kind of matches up. We do have our readings matched up with our our national calendar. Mm -hmm. You know, at Christmas time, we'll be reading uh, the birth of about the birth of Jesus. At Easter, we're reading about the crucifixion and from the Gospel of John. Uh, other key dates on the National Day of Prayer, we're reading about uh, Pentecost and the mm-hmm. you know the birth of the uh, the church right. and the beginning of the church age, uh, birth out of a prayer meeting. So that kind of makes our reference or keeps a point. At Fourth of July, we're reading Corinthians, where it says the uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm-hmm. And so we, we try to make a. <laughs> we, we, we kind of sit in there where we're, we're... You set the whole calendar just yeah, around yeah, that, we, didn't yeah, you? Just, the whole just around thing. freedom and 4th of July. <laughs> that, that was, to be very honest with you, I've had people comment on that and say, wow, that's really amazing how you did that. Really nice. yes. and, and, and boy, you, you really did good there. Were, it was totally a God thing. <laughs> right. It was funny. I didn't... You I didn't could, actually you really mean to do that if you tried. I did. Yeah, I couldn't have done it if I tried. Uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. But the Lord, I think, did kind of superintend us in uh, the reading of the scriptures those many years ago. But let's go now yes. back to our uh, questions. So let's answer some of these questions we asked. Nobody's calling in to answer these or winning these prizes. Uh, what was the key phrase that's repeated 26 times? In Psalm 136. His love endures forever. Well, his faithful love endures forever. <laughs> I, uh, is that what you were saying when you sing? There's yeah, a song, okay. yes. But. His faithful love endures forever. Yes. And then he'd say another sentence, and then he would say, his, his faithful, faithful love endures forever. Uh, there's no there's no doubt about what David, the point David was trying to make with that psalm. It's very clear. Mm-hmm. So his faithful love endures forever, and... And then uh, the other question had to do with um, what nation did God use to judge uh, Nineveh mm-hmm. and, and to uh, end the Assyrian dominance, the Assyrian Empire's dominance over the world of that time? And that would be the Babylonian, the Babylonian, the Medes and Persians, the I guess. Um, I, well, I think it was the Babylonians who then gave way kind of to the Medes, to the Medes and, oh, and Persians. Yeah. So Medo-Persians. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, all right. Well, then we'll, maybe we'll come up with another question we can ask folks during this uh, segment. We're moving into now the time of uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. This, these are post Exilic. I do want to mention something about Zephaniah that okay. I, I think is interesting about the book. He, um, a couple of places, he talks about he talks about the ultimate last day, the ultimate judgment okay. of God, mm-hmm. and and one thing he mentions in chapter three, verse eleven is uh, uh, if you read it, it's it's very it's pretty powerful to hear. Uh, and he's talking about the remnant of Israel. And this is one of those verses where you have to realize he's not talking about physical, earthly, political Israel uh, right. or, or geographic. He's talking about the people of, the, God. The, 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 people of God, the ultimate judgment, when, um, what the New Testament would call like true Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, the, we've been grafting in Gentiles, uh, uh, people from every nation, every tribe, every language group. 
the part of the people of God. He says, um, on that day, uh, you will no longer need to be ashamed, for you will no longer be rebels against me. I will remove all proud and arrogant people from among you. Then they will, there will be no more haughtiness on my holy mountain. Mm. Those who are left will be the lowly and humble, mm. for it is they who trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong. They will never tell lies or deceive one another. They will eat and sleep in safety, and no one will make them afraid. And it's just a picture of the of glorification when we are removed as God's people from the very presence of sin. There, um, there's no more temptation. There's no more mm-hmm. cultural pressure. The world has uh, no pressure that has been eliminated. Satan is gone. The flesh has been overcome by the new nature that God has planted within us. Uh, it's a beautiful picture there of of uh, the new of of glorification and, and uh, a, a very basic principle that uh, one of the one of the uh, two or three primary uh, characteristics of the redeemed. And one of them is humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, God resists the proud, but he lifts up the, the humble. And and so uh, that's kind of underlines that particular truth mm-hmm. that uh, one of those characteristics of, of God's people is there's a humility of brokenness yeah. uh, in us. Um, a couple of the others is a, a, a spirit of generosity mm-hmm. that comes that we become all of a sudden aware of other people. We care about. I, I know I had when I was just an even an eight year old boy. I probably had one of the first unselfish thoughts in my life after the day I trusted Christ. My first thought when I got up is, "Man, I got to go tell Curtis about this." Aww. Curtis Lott was my my best friend. I gotta I gotta go tell Curtis about this. This is great. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I was I was a little street urchin. You know, my every waking thought was you know. How is this going to affect me? Yeah, right. you know, if I met every person I met was how how can I use this person? How can I, you know, you yeah, sure because that's all you got. You right. got passed yeah. around from family to family and so on. And so after a while, you're you're just looking out for number one. Right. And uh, one of those oh. characteristics for the first time, I begin to think about other people, how they felt, and how mm-hmm. their experience, their well being. And so that that uh, un, that. That caring about other people is one, and generosity mm-hmm. rises up that we want to give uh, to help others. Uh, those are three of the primary just characteristics of, of the redeemed that are spoken of many times in the scripture. Well, let's jump on. Do you, uh, unless you want to say something else, mm-hmm. Stacy? Let's move on from Zephaniah, who pro- prophesied during the time of Josiah. Let's now move to these three: Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi that prophesied and preached to Israel after the return uh, to what was it, in the five, uh, 538 or so. 538, uh-huh. they re- Cyrus, The first group Cyrus. returned. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the, there were three different groups that came back and uh, to uh, revive and have it, re- live in the, in, the, in the nation again and live in Jerusalem. And they had to do with uh, Nineveh. I mean, not Nineveh. <laughs> um, uh, who was the fellow who supervised the building, rebuilding Nahum. of the wall? Nehemiah. Nehemiah, I mean, <laughs> yes. Boy, Nehemiah supervising the rebuilding of the of the wall, and Ezra uh, and others. These three prophets, indeed, all of them were there as well. 
encouraging the people as they got back to finish the, the temple, to rebuild the temple, to begin to renew and restore worship of God as he had indicated to them. And so uh, that's the general theme of each of these prophets, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah. And I mean, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi had to do with encouraging them to, uh, reminding them of who they are, reminding the people of their heritage, of their God, of their calling, their special calling of God uh, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and the, the founding fathers of, of the nation of Israel. And uh, so that they're, they're trying to get them to get busy rebuilding the temple. That's was particular Haggai's uh, calling. Um, let's see if there's anything in particular about Haggai and his message that their that we want sermons. to a characteristic of his message, maybe. Their, their sermons, is that correct? So. Uh-huh. Where they weren't letters or anything, they're four and they're polished and kind of literary, literarily. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> the literature is um, is is probably not quite at the state of like an Isaiah or Jeremiah, but it's very polished and uh-huh. well spoken. The brief sermons, um, kind of a wake yeah. up call yeah. to the community. Now, how many chapters are in Haggai? There's only two chapters, so it's really it's it uh, <laughs> it's close to uh, Obadiah being the shortest book, I think we, mm-hmm. we recall. But this was it was in the running for the shortest book. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not mentioned in the Old Testament except in the in the book in this book nine times, mm-hmm. and twice in Ezra. Ezra mentions some of these prophets as well that, that were there helping him as they called the people of Israel back to remind them of who they are, remind them of their God and their calling, their covenant relationship with him, uh, the Abrahamic covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, he's, he's encouraging the people to rebuild the temple. The date of the writing is probably about 520. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the altar was completed in 515. So the setting is Jerusalem. Anything and for the most part, the... they responded favorably, so it was well received. He yeah. he was basically he was I, mean, I think he was he was basically saying, "Come on, let's let's do this. Let's he, get it done." He was their uh, encourager. He was their mm-hmm. uh, and remember they went through some difficulties when yes. they were back there trying. Remember the the surrounding uh, people groups yeah. tried to discourage them, tried to uh, uh, derail them, and distract them from their task and. Uh, Nehemiah had to say, I'm, I'm busy doing a very important thing. I don't have time to come out and talk with you. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they, did, they were doing things. Uh, not Well, they had to, sometimes they had to work with their sword in their hand to resist mm-hmm. uh, even physical attack. But mainly they were doing political things and uh, things to kind of discourage them and, and uh, remove them from uh, and slow down, you know. And so part of the message of Haggai is, come on, let's get it. Let's get it done. Remember, they actually went through a period of time. They started out building uh, on the temple, and then they got interrupted. There was about a nine-year period when they didn't, they couldn't continue forward. They had to, they were required because of some political um, machinations that Uh they uh, brought about, and they told them to stop, and then they were given freedom to go ahead and begin again. And so uh, you have Haggai here telling him, let's get it done. We need to finish this this job. 
Uh, and so Haggai is uh, uh, just basically encouraging them, get it done. The new temple's diminished splendor. It's not like the temple that Solomon built uh, by any means, but it, it was diminished, but it was the temple of God. It may be more effective because of its uh, humble <laughs> uh, foundations of it and so on. Uh, blessings promised for obedience and promises for Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, who was the one, the first leader who brought the first group back. So that's uh, the two-chapter book of, of Zechariah. Of Haggai. Haggai. Uh, I keep trying to get Zephaniah in this group. Haggai, yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is a great, great book. It's yeah. quite long, actually. It is, uh, it's not just a, a short little book. I think it's 14 chapters. Yeah. Uh, and it is more predictions mm-hmm. about the Messiah than any of the other uh, minor prophets combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is Zechariah is very clear in in this age in this era. Now this is five hundred years out from the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, and yet he's he's telling them and he's giving. He talks about the good shepherd, uh, some of the other. Um, some of the other images that he has and teachings about the Messiah. Zechariah is very messianic-centered. Which is what is so neat and so fun, too, especially since we're going to be doing Revelation. The Revelation Mm -hmm, um, next mm -hmm. week is some of the the, the references are so similar. Um, What John was seeing and what John was having revealed to him on the island of Patmos after the Messiah is similar to what Zechariah, um, some of those same images, some of the same unveiling, some of the same things that Zechariah um, was seeing and was being shown. And so it, it in terms of, it, I think it, it just affirms, um, it affirms how the message of the, of the whole, of the of, of the whole scripture the whole revelation of the scripture is Jesus. It's all pointing to the Messiah, and it's all pointing to that ultimate redemptive plan and yep. um, revelation. And I, I like, you know, the, you always, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Yeah. And you see that so very well. We understand the well. Old Testament better in the light of the the, yes. the the full light of Messiah mm-hmm. having come, and we, now we understand. Uh, we can look back and ah, now we see mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. Uh, all of the prediction. We see clearly uh, the tabernacle, the priest garments, all of the uh, even the sacrificial system. Mm-hmm. How everything was pointing to God's redemptive mm-hmm. plan, mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, it was so it was global, not right. just. Right. One people group, yes. but it was about always about the whole human race. Right, and how these same cycles of evil and of um, dominion and of these and, and in judgment, right, and cycles right. mm-hmm. of wickedness mm-hmm. uh, and, and how the Messiah restoration and, 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 and breaks all of that mm-hmm. and redeems and restores all of it. And we see that in Revelation. Exactly. That's one of the yeah. things we're going to see these cycles right. uh, that are mentioned in the opening chapters. Mm-hmm. Now, if I remember correctly, Zechariah. The first nine chapters have to do with before the finishing of the uh, uh, of the temple, mm-hmm. and the last chapters, um, ten through fourteen, have to were written after. I think they were actually written after the um, temple was rebuilt. after the temple was finished mm-hmm. and rebuilt, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, that detail about the book, 
let's see. Um, he describes many details about the about the uh, Messiah. All the predictions. You should have a list of these. I, uh, if you go to the website and listen to that, you, uh, we go through some of the some of these things he says about the Messiah. Uh, the good shepherd, uh, the king, uh, the righteous king, uh, the just king. Um, I'm not sure if he talks about, um, well, the righteous king is one I just looked at a while ago. Mm-hmm. Restoring his people, Zion's coming king in chapter 9. So he the, he's looking toward the future, uh, four to five hundred years in the future. When uh, the last of the Old Testament style prophets would rise up, John the Baptist, and announce the coming of the Messiah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Zechariah, it, it's a wonderful book because it, it is quoted many times in the New Testament, mm-hmm. and particularly because of his messianic um, vision and messianic understanding, uh, it, it really helps us to understand who the Messiah was. Because we can check out these prophecies, over 300, 300 prophecies throughout the Old Testament, uh, and, and many of them here in Zechariah about the coming Redeemer, this coming righteous, just King, this, the, uh, the Good Shepherd, and so on. Um, all of these prophecies about him. Well, that gets us uh, to Zechariah. I notice there's something else. Uh, I'm looking here among our questions if there was something. In the, in the first um, six chapters... He describes eight different visions. Uh, We have the vision of the angelic messengers, uh, uh, four horns and four blacksmiths, a man measuring Jerusalem, a man named Joshua is given clean robes, lampstand with unending supply of oil, a flying scroll, a woman in a basket sent back to Babylon, (laughs) and four horses and chariots. So you can go and read about these predictions and prophecies and and get a sense of what was the point that Zechariah is trying to make. He, along with the other prophets, are trying to encourage God's people. Remember who you are, people of the covenant, and let's get this job done. We need to keep following the Lord and and, uh, this this picture of God restoring the people of Israel there is the is the picture of the greater truth of God one day judging and restoring all of God's people uh to spiritual Israel spiritual Jerusalem that uh that you know the new heaven and the new earth um, Jerusalem and God and Israel were pictures of that final place of rest and that final place of glory uh in in uh that that is going to come for God's people uh, in Zechariah. And and these prophets make that pretty clear. Now, I guess that's Zechariah. We haven't finished Zechariah. We're going to finish it uh, tomorrow, Monday, uh, finish reading the last chapters of of Zechariah, and then go into Malachi. So we'll cover Malachi this next week. There is one other prophet I would mention that uh, I think we mentioned post-exilic as well. Um, Stacy kind of has done a little more research, and you're kind of you're pretty much. Uh, I still think it's probably a little earlier, but well, no, I either And I, and I kind of go along with that. It seems like the predominance that is the dominant consensus, but uh, there seems to be a growing number. And the only reason I mention it is because 
When you said that, I think you kind of pointed. Uh, no, uh, that it was maybe was post exilic. Yeah, that it might have been uh-huh. post exilic. In my mind, I thought, well, you know, when I read Joel, it it just felt post exilic. <laughs> he seemed to be futuristic. Right. He seemed to be looking like the birth of Messiah in Bethlehem, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, mm-hmm. well, that's Micah. But uh, right. his other messianic predictions and prophecies and about those days, it it just seemed to me like, wow, that. It has the flavor uh, of post-exilic <laughs> mm-hmm. to me. But mm-hmm. uh, for now, we'll go with ha- uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Those are the three post-exilic prophets. Uh, let's see. What, what, do we, what do we want to summarize about the minor prophets, maybe? Well, I love, I mean, how you, kind of, how you started it out. Um, just that reconciliation of God's love and justice and how that could possibly come about. And throughout, you know, there is this sense of how's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? And even with the exile and then the returning, um, you know, there's this warning. You are going, it is going to be destroyed. It is going to be destroyed. It is going to be destroyed. And then it happens. And then how could we possibly ever return to how could we? (laughs) There's always this sense of how and and, and yet he does it. And and it's similar with the Messiah. How is this going to happen? How is he going to redeem mankind? How is he? And How is he going to show his perfect love? Yes. And would it be compromising his perfect justice or right. holiness? And no, uh, that's. And it happens. That's the role of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And we get to live in the post-Messiah. The Bible right. Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.